0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Mama told me son, play in the yard. Papa said you got to bring your stomach
2: And welcome to it. Welcome to Inside the Yard. And what a week we have. Coming up on the show, Orioles General Manager Mike Elias. And then for our Insider segment, Big Ben McDonald. But Jeff Arnold, honestly, let's take a step back. Yeah, the Orioles took three out of four from New York. Ended that horrendous losing streak against the Yankees. But the significance of some of these prospects guys like Hunter Harvey returning, but getting starts from Aiken and Kramer and what is doing. The trades are made the deadline. It feels pretty good right now.
0: I think it feels great right now. I mean, the way that Keegan – let's start with Keegan Aiken. Aiken comes in, faces the Yankees' second major league start, five and a third of scoreless baseball, eight strikeouts, matches Garrett Cole, pitch for pitch. It's not easy when you're going up against that guy because you realize how good you have to be, and Aiken was. I thought his changeup played really well on Saturday – and I thought he spotted his fastball really well. So those were two things I was really paying attention to, and he executed big time. And then Dean Kramer, second inning, had some problems. And then after that, you look at the amount of pitches that he threw in innings following that, and the ability to bounce back and show some maturity in those tough spots was great. And then Malcastle continues to impress you. I mean, I was impressed with how Garrett Cole threw him a fastball that was, like, shoulder level. How do you get there? He tomahawked it. He tomahawked it. It was a Hanser Alberto play. It was great. And – Uh, The way that he has run the bases, that's something that Michael Elias talks about when we chatted with him, Uh, his base running and how he's grown into his body. uh, He's shown quite a bit. And, you know, I think I saw something on Twitter. I think it was maybe rock that that tweeted this out where Mountcastle, it's a ground ball and rock was getting ready to write down five, three on his scorecard. And suddenly Mountcastle safe at first, that's an area of development for, for me, for Mountcastle, that I don't think is getting talked about a whole lot.
2: Yeah. And you saw him at Frederick. Uh, I think to me, it's really hard to gauge fandom in 2020 because of the lack of fans at the game. The real only way to do it is, and I hate saying this is your sense of social media. And I really can't tell you how much that's dangerous. It. You're throwing, that's dangerous
0: what you're talking about right now. I know I should I already <laughs> feel bad about what I'm
2: saying, but the reality is nothing gets a fan base more energized, particularly in the Orioles situation. When you see young prospects that fans know they followed come up and then produce. Now, Michael Elias will get into this. That doesn't mean next time out it's going to be good. That doesn't mean next year it's going to be good. Typically, for prospects, it's up and down. And you hope you catch it on the upswing at some point. But when you do see them get the call, handle their own, look the part, it really makes a fan base feel good.
0: I think it's also showing that what they have in place at the minor league level is working. You know, they have good people down there. They're giving them the proper technology they need, the instruction that they need, the assistance that they need. So that one, when, when they get their opportunity – Fans or no fans in the major leagues, they're able to put their best foot forward and they're best able to make adjustments the next time that they go out there and hopefully that as hitters start to see them a little bit more, the likes of Kramer and Aiken, they're going to continue to make adjustments. They're going to learn from mistakes that they make and that they can become stable members of your starting rotation. And, and you have to imagine with Mountcastle, it's going to be the same type of thing. You know, eventually, pitchers are going to figure out what you can do, so you're hopeful that that training that you had earlier and the resources that you've been given will help you make the necessary adjustments because with all those guys, they have great talent.
2: There's, I mean, we've all seen it throughout the years, and baseball is a humbling game. There's pure talent. I don't think anyone's going to question that about Ryan Mountcastle or, or Dean Kramer or Hunter Harvey, but honestly, it's – baseball and and maybe professional sports and maybe life in general is about dealing with failure and and losing. And then how, what do you do from there? And that is to be determined for all of these guys. And then, you know, we've seen it. It's when you fail and you fail in front of 45,000 people who love you or hate you. And that's a different animal. It's a different animal altogether. So uh, we'll see how it plays out over the long haul, but just from a pure uh, talent standpoint, Pretty exciting times for the Baltimore Orioles. But to that end, let's get to it. The Orioles general manager, Mike Elias. And joining us right now is Orioles general manager, Mike Elias. After a really intriguing few weeks here, deadline included, several top prospects getting to the big leagues. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Well, let's start with it. I mean, honestly, if you look at it, two of the more eventful weeks uh, you could have, two of the more positive weeks. Uh, you make a, a bunch of trades. You had nine prospects. But uh, perhaps more interesting right now to fans is we've seen Ryan Mountcastle, Keegan Aiken, and Dean Kramer jump right into the mix and produce a, as soon as they get the call.
1: Yeah, it was really fun to see those guys come up and, and instantly impact the team like that. Um, and, you know, I, I, we, we, we traded uh, a big part of our bullpen, um, losing – Michael Gibbons and Miguel Castro, you know, we traded Tommy Malone uh, out of the rotation. And, um, you know, we want to c- continue to compete this season and, and make a push this season. And part of what uh, liberated us to make those trades in season was knowing that we had some younger reinforcements that were major league ready to come up and, and, and fill those shoes right away. And uh, those guys didn't let us down. In, in their de- debut, and I, I think that we'll see more of that. I mean, you know, I, I've talked about before. You look around baseball; you look at the Cleveland Indians, who are a perennial contender, and they just traded uh, one of their best pitchers, but got a lot back. And you know, it's just part of how teams operate. So, uh, as long as we have that young talent coming up from the pipeline, you know, we're going to be in pretty good shape. And I'm excited that they're uh, these guys are here.
0: How meaningful, Mike, is? what you guys have right now. I mean, you're a couple spots out of a, a wild card position, and this provides some really valuable experience, I have to imagine, for some of your younger players. How much do you think this is going to matter now when the Orioles are at a spot where you're every year getting ready to compete for a playoff spot?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, it's great. Uh, Brendan um, Hyde and the staff have, have really, I think, um, in year two kind of gotten the culture in place that we want here. And these guys, as you said, they're getting to play some very meaningful, very tense baseball in a very tense, kind of stressful 60-game season. Um, and I think this is going to help these guys uh, kind of grow up as as players really fast, having having this experience. And you know, the the Yankee series was was fun uh, because we won three out of four. But even more so, I think beating Cole and and Tanaka um, is a big achievement for for our young hitters.
2: Not that you have to uh, listen to experts outside the organization or fans. Nowadays, fans, you know, they want to see prospects. They want to see young players. That's the future. That's the hope of tomorrow. And there's never been more information out there on these guys. Uh, But when you see these players come up on, on the organization's pace and then produce day one, is that a validation of the program? Is that a validation of the preparation that's gone into it?
1: I think it's a validation of the, the, the players and the work that they've put in, um, you know, the, the, you know, we're not going to see this every time. I mean, usually uh, even extremely good prospects who end up having great careers will come up and struggle. That's typically the case. Uh, but I do think that, um, you know, these, these guys are good. They've put in a lot of work, um, both in the minor leagues last year and then in, in Bowie at our alternate training site this year. Um, you know knowing that they were getting ready and and getting close and um, you know we had some some good timing and some good fortune with the way that we prepared them and timed the moves but you know it it speaks to their confidence in themselves to just come right up and um, really go right at people especially you know the pitchers and and I mean that even for Mountcastle too we just haven't seen a lot of apprehension from any of these three guys and it's impressive because it's usually not the case.
0: You haven't seen apprehension from Mountcastle and everybody's been talking about how his plate discipline has been improved from what it was It's spring training one, summer camp. But outside of that, what's impressed you the most about him?
1: Um, well, boy, I mean, uh, I think the thing that's probably been the most surprising is how well he's running. Um, I, I personally believe that he, um, you know, this is a big young gangly guy and I, he last year, um, you know, he was, Still coming into his body. And when he showed up at, in Sarasota this spring, he was noticeably more coordinated and, and put, put together. And I just think, you know, this, you forget how young this guy is. He was 22 last year. And, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, going, he had been going through growth spurts. And I think his coordination and overall athleticism, uh, you know, really kicked into a higher gear this year, which is great to see. But the, the swing decisions, as, as you mentioned, have been um, very impressive. He's a very natural hitter. And so I'm not surprised that he um, is is figuring out how to, how to pick his pitch a little bit better. Um, we'll see, you know, the the, the league's going to adjust to him and develop a book on him. And that's kind of the next step after you come up and have success is um, you know, that, that second time through or that second year in the big leagues, uh, but he's doing a good job in, in left field and he's doing everything that we ask of him. And he's a great kid.
2: I guess it's, Hard to totally assess things this year, uh, given the lack of fans and some of the other, uh, you know, pressure points of a major league player and pitcher. But when you look at Kramer and Aiken from a pure stuff standpoint, how they presented themselves, what did you take away from their uh, recent outings? Um,
1: the the stuff was um, very legit. I think with both of these guys, it's going to be um, you know keeping the walks down and and throwing strikes, um, which is hard for a young pitcher. Um, with that type of stuff, and so it's all to be expected. But I think as we go the rest of the season, that's going to dictate their success because um, both of those guys have uh, have multiple plus pitches. I mean, Aiken's got the, the breaking ball; it's a fastball that plays well to both sides of the plate, um, and he's also got a really good changeup that you saw on display. And then uh, Dean's got got four or five pitches, and so I mean, the stuff's there. He was hitting ninety six. We saw Aiken up to 95, um, so it's just going to be uh, attacking the zone.
0: I'll ask you about another lefty-righty pitching combination. Uh, what have you been hearing at the alternate site about Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall? Because I know a lot of people are really excited about them.
1: They, they look really good. The, the, um, the velocity and the stuff from both of them, um, it's, it's incredible. Um, you know, Grayson got a little bit of a l- later start. Actually, both of them were late adds to the camp because we were trying to navigate um, summer camp and make sure that we had enough depth for the major league level. Um, you know, knowing those guys are going to be brought in just for player development purposes and not 2020 depth, but, um, uh, they look really good. I think it's a good challenge for them because they're facing a lot of, um, really patient, um, in most cases, upper level hitters. Um, or even if it's, you know, Adley Rutschman's there, he's a, a really tough at bat, takes a lot of pitches and, um. So, I, you know, I think it's a very good challenge for them. But um, these guys have – both of them have very top of the rotation upside, uh, but still a lot of development left.
2: Mike, the Orioles, I think as of today, Stats Inc. just sent to me that they have the third youngest – the Orioles have the third youngest roster in baseball uh, by age as of today on the 28-man. But I, I'm interested in, in the group of, you know, middle 20s guys who were either high draft picks – had the prospect status at some point. Maybe it didn't happen for them instantaneously, but the Cisco's, the DJ Stort's, uh, the Dylan Tate's guys who've been up and down a few times, that group, which maybe it's for Baltimore one day, maybe they're spun somewhere else, but how do you assess that group?
1: Well, yeah, that, that's a really key group for us. These, these guys that were um, uh, picked by the Orioles uh, several years ago in the draft and hadn't really cemented themselves at the big league level yet. Um, I, I, you know, you mentioned DJ Stewart. Uh, I put Mullins in that group, Um, Cedric Mullins, Chance Cisco, Austin Hayes, who's hurt. Um, These are really talented guys, um, most of whom were high picks. And um, for them to click here a little bit, I think can really speed up what we're going through. And they're uh, very key to that. And I think that they've gotten uh, comfortable in their own skin this year, a lot of them. And Brandon and his staff have done a have done a great job uh, making them, um, you know, feel comfortable and, and, and valued and that they belong at the major league level. And we're seeing some confidence and some, um, some fun from that group. And that's nice to see. And then on the pitching side too, Tanner Scott, uh, Harvey, there's a bunch of those guys. So th- that's a really key kind of generation of players for us. And to see them take steps forward this year has been, To me, one of the most positive things that we've seen this year.
0: How about the role that Alberto Iglesias have played for your team this year and just how they've brought things together? Like, Alberto makes it really fun. Iglesias has a lot of time in the game. Have they given you some of that leadership and production that you were hoping for? Has it been above your expectations?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, Alberto, um, you know, was brought here as a, a waiver claim and and has really found uh, found his footing at the big league level. I think a, a big bonus with him has been um, the the vibe that he imbues in the clubhouse and on the field. He he's extremely high energy, uh, really likes being out there, and I I think he's been uh, one of the biggest parts of our team chemistry here. And then Iglesias, you know, part of the reason that we signed him was knowing that he would would bring some good. Uh, veteran guidance and and presence. And I think he's done that in in the middle of the lineup, Um, you know, the the quality of his at-bats, but then he's also uh, helped us out a lot behind the scenes and and tutoring these players. So that's great. It's it's been unfortunate that, you know, he's had a a quad uh, injury all season and and we haven't gotten him out of shortstop as much as we'd like, because he really changes the whole team when he's playing shortstop. Um, But both of those guys, um, you know, are key parts of the clubhouse this year for sure.
2: Mike, do you anticipate or is it possible that another quote unquote prospect could get the call between now and the end of the regular season?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know for, for sure, but all, all of those guys um, at uh, Bowie who are, who are upper level guys that have p- played in AA or AAA, you know, we've told them to uh, to be ready. And you know, there's injuries, there's covid cases, there's all kinds of stuff and um, you know, they're they're all gearing up for this year, so it's just a matter of opportunity.
0: Michael, last one for me. Uh, Anthony Santander. I'm sure you had high expectations for him coming in, uh, but what he was able to put together uh, over the course of the, the time that he was healthy, what did it what did it show you?
1: Yeah, I think you know he's a, a possible star, um, you know, switch hitter with with that type of power and and ability to kind of hit from foul pole to foul pole, um, and a very quality defensive corner outfielder. And at his age, 25, um, you know that's pretty good, and we've got him for. Uh, a few more years, so uh great development for us, honestly, unfortunate that we lost him uh just now with this oblique injury um, highly unlikely that he plays again this season. but I think the good news there is you know he did enough to really cement his status we we saw what we saw um I don't think anyone thought it was a fluke, and um you know he now we've got an opportunity to to give somebody like d j Stewart an extended uh opportunity so um, you know, while it's unfortunate that we lost them, I, I think um, we can make the most of the situation.
2: And, and last one, Mike, just what are you hearing right now? I know there's been a lot of reports on the draft uh, moving forward. We know there'll be a date. It will be uh, at the All-Star game in Atlanta uh, next year. So push back a little bit. But as far as rounds and, and your preparation, uh, which is obviously going to be peculiar.
1: It's going to be very peculiar, probably more so than, than last year. I mean, last year we had everything was normal and then it just got cut off in March this year um, there was no Cape Cod League there was no Team USA over the summer I don't really know what NCAA baseball is going to look like this spring Um, on top of all that you've got um, there was a shortened draft last year very short draft so now a bunch of good players are going to get kind of dumped into this draft that that didn't get drafted last year so it's going to be really weird Um, I'm glad they moved the draft back into July it'll give us a little more time to prepare and hopefully a little more time for the the virus situation to to abate and my understanding is that there will be um, more organized combine type events uh, immediately prior to the draft so if we can do that I think that'll help but yeah it's going to be a strange one and I I think it might I don't think it's gonna be as short as the 2020 draft but it's not going to be 40 rounds um, is my expectation.
2: Orioles general manager, Mike Elias. Mike, we appreciate it so much. Thank you.
1: Okay, thanks, guys. Good to see you.
2: Time now for our insider segment. And joining us is mass and broadcaster, former Oriole, Big Ben McDonald. And, Big Ben, let's get right to it. Really a significant few days for the Orioles. I mean, arguably, they get their two best starts of the season from rookies in keegan Aiken. And then Dean Kramer, what was your big takeaway on those two guys?
3: Well, I'll start with Keegan Aiken. I'll be honest with you guys. When I saw him throw, his first big league appearance was in relief. I think he went three or four innings in relief. The starter got knocked out early. I think he gave up three runs or something and three and a third or three and two thirds. I walked away from the outing going, if the Orioles are counting on this guy to be a rotational guy in the American League East, I'm not sold on it. He didn't show me the stuff that particular night to be a starting pitcher in the American League East. I was concerned. Having said that, the last two starts, I have totally changed my mind. And the reason is his ability to pitch inside with his fastball, he's shown me that he's not afraid to do that. The second thing is the big knock on him was, did he have any secondary pitches coming in? In other words, he was working on a breaking ball, working on a changeup, but nobody really told me or said or, he alluded to the fact that they were big league pitches. Well, he's shown that, especially his last outing. He landed that change up numerous times in fastball counts. He threw it in three-two counts. He used his breaking ball. So, he's shown me the last couple of starts. Okay, he can pitch as a starting pitcher in the American League East. Be interesting to see how the league adjusts to him as he goes through it in the next year. Dean Kramer, look, was fabulous. Um, he attacked with his fastball as well. I heard a lot about him. The first time I really saw him pitch – the fastball is a really good one, bumped in the mid-90s a few times. But I tell you what, that pitch that he worked on in the offseason, we knew about the breaking ball, and every scout report said that his breaking ball was his best pitch. But we kept hearing that he worked and during the downtime on a cut fastball. And that cut fastball was big for him the other day. He used it and threw it, you know, 88 to 91 miles an hour and got some big outs with it. So he showed me three real pitches. He's also threw a few, threw a few change-ups in there as well. So I really liked him too. And so both of these young guys – The moments have not been too big for them yet. Uh, They've come in, they've attacked the strike zone, they've attacked big league hitters, and it looked really good, you know? And so uh, I'm pleased with where they're at, I'm pleased with what we saw, and and the future looks good for the Orioles.
0: And to, to me, the defining moment for Dean Kramer's outing was maybe the third inning, because the second inning was so rocky for him, where he threw 30 pitches. How much did he show you, based on how he handled his business after that second inning, through a lot of pitches, and it didn't go the way he wanted it to.
3: Yeah, you know, he, he bounced back, right? So I'm looking at the scorecard, and, you know, he walked the first batter. He had two walks, which is unusual for him because he's normally got pretty good control, and it was a long time. But he minimized the damage during that inning. He only gave up the one run, and then he was able to flush it right away and come back out for the third inning where he punched out, you know, two out of three in the third inning and a three up and three down inning. So you knew at that point that – you know, he was able to push it behind him, which is so important for a pitcher or really for a position player to be able to flush the last at bat, flush your bad game, flush your bad inning and go back and attack the next inning. And he showed me some maturity by going back because a lot of young guys would have really harped on that last inning and said, oh, my gosh, what went wrong? But instead, he was able to flush it and really move on to the third inning. And it showed me a lot of maturity on his point.
2: Yeah, I guess there's going to be a lot we don't know, and it takes a while, it's several years in many cases, to learn about a young player, a young position player, a young pitcher. But the element of not having fans and the poise you'll need to survive in the American League East, so there's not a whole lot we can take away right now. But from a pure stuff standpoint, uh, the pure talent standpoint, you like what you see right now from, from those two guys.
3: No doubt. No doubt. I mean, I like what I see. Do I think it's number one, number two starter stuff? No, it's not that kind of stuff. But it is three, four, and five kind of starter stuff uh, at the big league level in the American League East. And you're right. Look, this year is a really good year to make your MLB debuts for young guys because there's not 40,000 in the stands pulling for you or pulling against you. You don't have that buzz out there. And so it's a good time to be able to go out and try to relax in a more controlled environment if you will. It would only get harder from here. The league will begin to adjust and have tendencies against these guys, and typically when you go through the league the first time, you have the advantage. I found that on my own years ago, the second time you go through, that's when you figure out if you can stick around because then you have to adjust back to what big league hitters are adjusting to you. So that will be the maturing point for these young pitchers that they may do it their way and have success their way, which is great. You always have to pitch to your strengths a lot of times, but there's going to be a time where you face the Red Sox for the third time in three months, you know, and they've got a pretty good idea of what you're doing. And now you've got to be able to do something a little bit different. That's going to be the maturing points for for both these young guys. But when you talk about stuff, there's nothing wrong with the stuff at all.
0: Dylan Tate's got pretty good stuff. I mean, we've seen that since he, he came back from the injured list. He's gotten some opportunities in some high leverage spots. How does he continue to develop and improve and become that reliable guy that Brandon High needs at the back end of games?
3: Well, I mean, Dylan's take, I mean, we've always said it, right? It's kind of like Tanner Scott. He's always had the stuff. The matter is, could he get it in the strike zone enough to be effective? Seems like he came up a lot last year and he was ball one, ball two, got in fastball counts, got hurt. That's what happens to everybody at the big league level. If you can't pitch ahead at the big league level, you can get away with it for a little bit of time. But for the most part, it will catch up to you over time. Dylan Tate's got a good sinking fastball, and it's a high-octane, mid-'90s-type fastball, too. So I love the sink on it. He can throw the four-seamer, and he can ride it up. The breaking balls, the change-ups have been good, too. So uh, more than not, I think if you go talk to Tanner Scott and he was honest with you, I think the success he had early, he just needed some confidence. I think Dylan Tate's a lot the same way. These young guys that don't have a ton of big-league experience – they need to have some success right away. We can point to Ryan Malcastle. He got off to a good start. He got a hit, I think, in his second game, whatever it was, and he's been off to the races ever since. It's been so important for these younger guys or guys that don't have a lot of big league experience to get off to a young start, to be able to take a breath, relax, and let their abilities take over. And Dylan Tate's been great so far, and he's needed to be great because, again, we talk about the trades. Miguel Castro and Givens are gone, so more guys will have – opportunities and high leverage type situations and it's a wonderful opportunity the orioles continue to be a land of opportunities for you to get an opportunity to step up and show the front office and show manager brendan hyde what you can do and do you fit into the future of what the orioles are putting together
2: ben mcdonald we appreciate so much thank you
3: you're anytime
2: guys That's big Ben McDonald, and uh, we heard from Mike Elias before. And, and Jeff, what was your big takeaway uh, with the Orioles GM?
0: I think it was just an, a number of things. I mean, I, I, I kind of thought that what he said about Mountcastle, and I was interested to see, like, because everyone's talked about his improved plate discipline. It's no surprise that was an area where he needed to try and grow and improve and develop. And when I heard that at the alternate site, he had – as many walks or more walks than strikeouts I was like whoa that's that's some pretty good pitching talent down there I mean there is some serious talent uh, at the alternate site in Bowie and then he comes up here and he continues to show that but everybody talked about that what I was really interested to see was how would he do some of the other things well and the thing that stood out to me the most and I've said this on air a couple of times is the base running and the speed that he's shown and how he's grown into his body and he's developed and he finds a way to like hit a ball on the ground and, and beat it out. Like, I mean, you weren't seeing that from Ryan Mountcastle in the minor leagues when he was in Delmarva and Frederick, like some of those plays, like that's an out, like you, you were not seeing that, but that's because he was younger there and he was developing into his body and it just, you didn't see it. And now you're seeing it. So things like that, you're just like, when you've, you've watched this player come up through your system when they were really young to where they are now and watching some of them, you know, Keegan Aiken, like, he threw, threw some good change-ups when I saw him in the minor leagues, but did he have the command of his pitches that he showed through these first two starts? Sometimes, you know, but not consistently. And can he keep that up? And, and you know, the fact that he's putting five and a third scoreless innings together, he's commanding the zone. He's getting ahead. And he's spotting up. And I don't – I think what Mike said about – We've developed some confidence after a series win against the Yankees, but maybe the biggest part about it was you beat Garrett Cole and you beat Masahiro Tanaka. Like those are guys that are all-star caliber pitchers. Those are the best two pitchers that they've got right now. And those are pitchers that the Yankees are in the postseason. They're going to be leaning on heavily to help them make their way through it. But – yeah, I think that was that was big. And then I also thought it was, you know, interesting. You know, when you talked about the draft at the very end, I think we're all wondering that right now. How is the draft going to work next year? Is it going to be a lottery system? Is it going to be something a little bit different? It, how is it going to work? Nobody really seems to know. I mean, we've kind of established that 2020 is a year where you get to make up rules in the middle of something. So you're wondering maybe is is there going to be some kind of a, a change or alteration? Because to me, it just kind of feels like. I know the Red Sox haven't had a really good year, but with the amount of resources that they oh. have, do you really want to be giving them the first overall pick? Do we really want to be going down that road? I mean, like the Pittsburgh It could Tigers. be Chris
2: Sale and Kumar
0: Rocker in two years. Seriously, like, like that's, just, that's not cool. And I personally feel like there should be some kind of a lottery system. this year. I agree with you. I think,
2: I think it has to happen. Because Jeff, we have a long day in front of us. And we're calling baseball in about uh, I seven hours from now. Don't get my yes. blood going right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, need face I, I really, myself.
0: I really, I really feel like that's that's a question that that I've had for a while. Yeah, we, no, I I know agree. You, I'm glad you brought it up at the very end, but that's what I really want to know. How is the draft next year going to work, and how is it going to work from who's picking where to how are you evaluating talent? You had no 2020 season. You didn't have any of the USA stuff. You didn't have the Cape Cod League or the Coastal Plain League or any of these other summer ball leagues where you can go and do your stuff. You know, you're know you limited in what you can do internationally going out to see people. There are so many hurdles it feels like going into next year's draft. And while the Orioles, from an MLB pipeline standpoint, they graded their farm system as number eight, and it certainly got better with some of the trades that they made, we're still in the talent acquisition phase at this point and how they're going to continue to add talent Despite some of the hurdles, and and you know Michael Elias, Dell scouting people that the Orioles have, they're they're smart guys. They know what they're doing, but how they're going to be able to figure it out and navigate it is going to be a real question, I think, going into the off season. And uh, we're 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 not we're not really sure what we're going to see. So I'll be interested to to follow
2: that storyline. It's going to be really interesting and really challenging. So we'll see where it goes from there. By the way, Ryan Mountcastle on our next edition of Inside the Yard uh, that will drop Friday morning. So. Uh, be listening and be ready for that. That will be a lot of fun getting to know Ryan a little bit. So, uh, really good episode for Jeff Arnold. I'm Brett Hollander, and we're doing radio together through Sunday. Right, Jeff? I am excited
0: about that. We're going to have some fun. and you're going well. Tease... New York uh, state of mind. Yeah, New York state of mind. The question I'll have for you, and I'll close with this. Do you count – I mean, we, we, we said it like you face the Mets and then the Yankees and then the Mets and the Yankees again this week. So, it's like two weeks of Mets-Yankees but do you want to say that the stretch of New York baseball can go back to the blue Jays? I don't, I don't know if I can, I don't know I, if I can get on board with that. I, I, I just
2: saw a tweet that said the blue Jays are the best team in New York right now.
0: That was really funny. Yeah, I, I know. I saw that tweet as well and that made me laugh.
2: That did make me laugh. <laughs> that's a good question. I think so. Um, and then, yeah, I, I know it's nice for the Orioles uh, travel department. They don't have to share hotels here for a, a six for a whole week. So that's nice. Uh, But it will be interesting. We got uh, Mets for two, Yankees for four in the Bronx. And uh, we'll be on the Orioles radio network with every single pitch. So we will talk to you then. And don't forget Ryan Mountcastle on the next episode. So for our entire crew and for Jeff Arnold, I'm Brett Hollander. Have a great week, everyone. Be safe.